0: Father, we thank you for bringing Jen to us this day. And we thank you for the message that you have given to her for us. We pray that you would speak to her and through her. Might we hear your word for us this day as your community gathered in this place for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So yeah, thanks for having me here today. I was saying to Dr. Bob just before chapel started that when I was here and I was chapel assistant, I was really pushing for students to get to preach in chapel. And this morning I was thinking, good Lord, what was I thinking? So (laughs) be careful what you pray for. So the great thing about preaching the week after Simpson lectures is that you get a chance to preach right after having been inspired by all the excellent speakers that presented great material during the week. The downside to preaching the week right after Simpson lectures is that you get to preach right after everyone listening to you has been inspired by all the excellent speakers (laughs) who presented great material the previous week. So there was a lot of interesting ideas put forth over the week, and I felt like I wanted to continue the discussion a bit further today. So I'll start by reading our passage for today's message, and then we'll dive into the conversation. I'm reading for, from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23, and I'm reading the NIV. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself was not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in his blessings so for those of you who are here last week or joined online you're with me in hearing some interesting views on the state of evangelism in our churches evangelism is definitely my favorite topic and always were my favorite classes when I was here at school biblical studies were okay theology <laughs> Theology was kind of interesting. Spiritual disciplines I survived. Church history I almost didn't. <laughs> we won't even get to Greek. And but it was evangelism that was where the meat and potatoes came together and made a gourmet meal with gravy. <laughs> I honestly didn't know Steve was going to be here today. <laughs> so I found the lectures to be valuable because I have found that many of our churches are not all that focused on evangelism. And that with some, it's indeed become a bad word. Like a really long, four-letter word. <laughs> this, after, this, when I first encountered it, and confused me. My experience with evangelism had come from what I had learned here at the college. And since I was rather new to faith myself, I couldn't think of anything better than finding ways in which to share the Gospel with people who had yet to find a relationship with Jesus. That was what excited me, motivated me to continue into ministry and what I felt God was calling me to do. Having come from zero church experience in my background, it really never occurred to me that churches wouldn't want to jump on board with all the wonderful ideas I had for connecting with people outside of the church. After all, it would simply require that they do things in some new and different ways. What could possibly be the problem with that? (laughs) Then I was called to my first church after graduation, and this is what I hit. Slide number one. (laughs) is that things changed. But the experience definitely opened my eyes to the fact that bringing people in the church to a place where they were ready, willing, and able to reach people outside the church was not going to be easy or without its bumps and ruts. Paul is very clear in the passage from 1 Corinthians that I read that we are to know our audience and find the common ground with them. But he is also very clear why we are to do so. And it's always so that we may have the opportunity to bring them to Christ. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Paul was a Jew, a Roman citizen, and a Pharisee. He could have had a relatively easy life if he had just stuck to that. But Jesus got a hold of him, transformed his heart and his mind, and gave him a purpose that had far more eternal value. After encountering Jesus on the Damascus Road, Paul gave up everything, not only to live his own life for the gospel, but also to ensure others would also have the option to do so. Paul used his freedom in Christ to bring others into that same freedom, and his strategy was not built upon what we would consider success, but rather on the nature of the gospel. Paul goes on to tell us that in bringing people to Christ, a one-size-fits-all solution isn't going to fly. Paul became like a Jew for the Jews, like a man under the law for those living under the law, and the weak for the sake of those who were weak. In other words, Paul knew his audience and adapted his approach accordingly. In giving this advice to the church in Corinth, Paul refers to a relatively familiar tradition that was in the Greco-Roman world, in which the approach to educating others recognized the need for flexible and adaptive approaches depending on who they were teaching, understanding that there was much in the way of human diversity. In adapting his teachings to his audience, Paul never changed what he believed in to be the core values of the gospel. What he did do was pick his battles. This is challenging when brought into the context of today, when there is so much more gray area separating the church and culture. If we look at morality alone, we see a huge gap between what the church believes to be right and what culture finds acceptable. At least I hope we see a huge gap. Where we run into trouble is when we expect culture to live by Christian beliefs and practices. Paul found the common ground with diverse groups of people. He didn't expect them to conform to his beliefs until they had entered into a relationship with Christ. Paul did not narrow down his audience to those with whom he felt he could relate to the easiest, or those with whom he was most comfortable with. He was in it for all. How diverse is your comfort zone? Paul would have been most comfortable or at least he would have had the most in common with other Jews. Yet he became the voice of the gospel to non-Jews. This meant he had to enter into groups of Gentiles, people with whom he would have had little in common. Yet, for the sake of others, he did it. Most of us work, or will work, in churches. And this tends to ensure that we spend a lot of time with Christians. It's easy for our social circles to get smaller and smaller, and before we know it, we're out of touch with the very people we are supposed to be reaching with the gospel. This makes it important for us to be intentional in finding activities outside of the church. I found that working my way through school and jobs that were outside of ministry ended up being hugely beneficial to my ministry when I was called to a church. My dance ministry is with unchurched teens and it gives me a constant reality check in the way people see the church. This group of girls, who are all unchurched, go into a wide variety of churches around the Atlantic provinces They take part in services and they sit and listen to the sermons and they always have questions after which give me insight into what our church services look like to people who are not regular attendees. But you may also be surprised to hear they also have a very positive, for the most part, view of church. When they go to a church, they go to share something that is a great passion of theirs, dance. They are always warmly received and the various congregations make an effort to speak to them afterwards about what they experienced when they watched them dance. So the only experience these girls have with church is as an encouraging and welcoming place to be. They are so secure in this that they now go to dance in worship services at churches without me going with them. Wouldn't it be awesome if this was the view of church for the rest of our community? All this is to encourage you to be creative in how you connect with those outside your comfort zone. Sometimes creativity comes from unexpected sources. I had been finding the most difficult group to connect with was young adults, especially students who don't come to our church. I live on Bay Street, which is otherwise known as Party Central, but living at the end away from the students is the closest I ever get to seeing them was when the cops had them outside telling them to keep the noise level down. I kept trying to think of ways to meet them. Maybe I'd bake them cookies and deliver them. Nah. If I was them and someone I didn't know brought me cookies, I probably would have believed they were trying to poison me. And I don't mind baking but for people, but I at least want them to eat it if I do. So these kinds of ideas kept swirling around in my head and nothing came to mind that would mi- not make me look like some kind of weirdo to say the least. <laughs> then I realized I had the best evangelizing tool in my toolbox and haven't, hadn't even realized it. Second slide. Good job. <laughs> oh. Meet bear, my icebreaker. One day I was out walking him and realized that everyone stops to pet him. <laughs> For him, there is truly no male or female Jew or Greek football (laughs) player. All are the same to him, and all react to him in the same way. They stop, bend down to pet him, ask his name, and then ooh and ah, when he sits up to meet them and tries to lick their face. Although his size occasionally generates a comment about him not being big enough to be a real dog. Thank you, Glenn and Carol Ann. He is also not big enough to be seen as intimidating. Unless you are a really big dog, then he will try and take you down. But people, he loves them all, and they all love him, or at least are curious about him. So now I time my Friday afternoon walk to be just after when the majority of students have finished classes, and while they're still sober enough to have a conversation. I bought my puppy to get me out walking again, but he has not only done that, he has allowed me to connect with people whom I had no common ground that that was obvious enough for me to find. Now they look forward to seeing him, calling him their puppy therapy. This is a new development, so I will have to let you know how it turns out. But at least the conversation has begun, and that is huge. The most compelling statement in this passage for me is when Paul says, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Paul was forever motivated in all he did by the gospel and what it promises. And this is where I think our churches are struggling. Community outreach has become kind of a catchphrase in our churches recently. I myself hold the position of pastor of community outreach. But the description concerns me somewhat. I don't want to be reaching out to the community. I want our church to be an integral part of it. I want us to be such a vital part of the town and community that it is just assumed that we will be involved in all aspects of community life. My prayer for our church is that we will become a welcome partner of other town resources and organizations, with us bringing a Christian voice and presence. A start has been initiated in this process, but there's still much to be done. The reason I think I'm conflicted with the concept of community outreach is because in so many cases, I see it being done without the motivation that Paul had for sharing the gospel. As churches, we want to help people. We want to serve our communities, and this is a good thing. But if we're not motivated by the sharing of the gospel, then we are at risk of being no different than any other organization out there which are doing fabulous work in helping people. What should make us different is that we we have our hearts that are breaking for the unsaved in our community. Our hearts need to be hurting so much that we, like Paul, will do whatever necessary to bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. When I say do whatever necessary, please understand that I realize there are certain methods of evangelism that are not the best. Slide number three. (laughs) However, I feel like we have almost let the pendulum fall too far to the other side. We are now so afraid of offending or of putting people off that we hesitate to take that vital step of inviting people into the most important relationship that they will ever experience. As churches, we now reach out or perform community outreach, but when it comes to the point of extending an invitation, we hold back, and I fear we are losing out on many opportunities to bring people to faith. I will wrap things up with this last thought. By the time I was ready to leave here, at least graduate because I'd never really leave here, keep coming back. But <laughs> I was almost overwhelmed with the ideas and information that were floating around in my head ideas of ways to reach out, to go out, of things to do for the kingdom. I knew the stats. Our churches were in trouble and needed strong pastors to be able to guide them into new directions, new territory, and a new trajectory. But it was almost as though I only saw half of the picture, and it was from the view of the unsaved. Although seeing things through this lens can be very helpful when it comes to developing ideas for ways to reach them, it did not help me to see the other side of the evangelism coin. I understood we were to meet people where they were, but I didn't see that we also needed to meet our churches there. Just as we are to love people as Jesus loved them, we are to love the church as Jesus loved it, and sometimes it takes just as much intentionality to do so. That also means we love it enough not to leave it where it is. But just as we are to treat people as people and not projects, as Carolyn said last week, so too must we treat our churches. Personally, I find it much easier to love the unsaved than I do the people in the church. Part of this is because my expectations are higher for people in the church, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing. But I've come to understand that we cannot assume that everyone in the church is motivated by the gospel to become a slave to everyone, to win as many possible to Christ. And before we can begin to evangelize to our communities, we may need to first re-inspire our churches with the gospel message. Sometimes it feels as though the flames have gone out or at least dimmed with people and their faith. No strategy for reaching the lost no creative ideas for connecting with the local community are going to work until those flames are relit. So just to review what Paul tells us. First of all, a one-size-fits-all approach doesn't work and that we need to adapt our approach to connect with our particular context. Second, that in order to adapt our approach we need to know our audience and I would suggest this is important both inside and outside the church. We, third, we are going to need to be creative in our adapting our, approaching, our approaches. But that doesn't mean changing our beliefs to suit our audience, but rather finding the common ground from which to begin a journey. And lastly, and I would say most importantly, our motivation in all this must be sharing the gospel up to and including the point of in inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, if we go into churches... And like Paul, lead by an example of reaching out of our comfort zones, loving people of all ages, stages, and walks of life. If we use our creativity in adapting our practices and programs to fit various contexts, and do it all because as Emily Autumn wrote, being brave means to know something is scary, difficult, and dangerous, and doing it anyway, because the possibility of winning the fight is worth the chance of losing it. The winning, which we are talking about, of course, is not really about winning or losing, but rather it's about life or death. That is what motivated Paul, to be all things to all people, and why we need to follow his lead, so that by all possible means, we too might save some. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word and what it teaches us, and we thank you that you have... um, given us the privilege of being called into ministry and that we will have the opportunity to go out into the local churches and hopefully help to relight some fires in those churches. God, I just pray that each one of us as we go into this that we remember Paul's example and that everything that we do is motivated by the desire to see other people's lives transformed by the gospel. And that everything we do keeps in mind that there is no stronger and more important relationship to be had. No relationship that is more healing that anybody can experience other than a relationship with you. So God, I just thank you. I thank you for each and every day the challenges and the opportunities that we are all given to share Jesus with others. May we take hold of those opportunities and may we remember to invite them in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.